Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudilla wa may yudlil fala hadiyalah ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu Surahatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Amma ba'd Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu Taqullaha haqqa tuqatih Wala tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun Ya ayyuhal nas Attaqu rabbakumu alladhi khalqaku min nafsin wahida Wa khalqa minha zawjaha Wa batha minhuma rijalan kathiran wa nisaa واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وأحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار ثم أما بعد الحمد لله على نعمة الإسلام والسنة All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah حدثني جماعة من الشيوخ بإسناد كل إلى سفيان بن عيينة عن عمر بن دينار عن أبي قابوس مولى عبد الله بن عمر عن عبد الله بن عمر بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء the Prophet وسلم, he said in a tremendous hadith that those who are merciful, they will be shown mercy by the most merciful. Be merciful and show mercy to those who are in the earth and the one who is above the heavens, he will show you mercy. Many of the ulama, the imams of hadith, the scholars of hadith, they used to utilize this hadith as the first hadith that they would teach their students. So thus this hadith has been labeled and has been called Al-Hadith Al-Musansal Bil-Awaliyya. It's a hadith that was taught and brought first. So you'll find many of the scholars of the past, they will say, Hadathani Fulan, wa huwa awwal hadith sami'ituhu minhu. They will say that so-and-so narrated to me this hadith, and this was the first hadith that I heard from them. Naam, this was the first hadith that I heard from them. And the reason for this, as the ulama, they point out the wisdom for this, and it's important, this is why every class in this series, every new addition to this series, we begin with this hadith for the most part. Why? is because I would like to draw the attention to the students, to the listeners, of the tremendous nature of knowledge and the importance of applying knowledge and as a 
indication and a window into some of the outstanding characteristics of the carriers and the bearers of knowledge. And that is, is that the more one learns, the more one's insight increases in the religion and in having knowledge of the religion, then this should lend itself to forbearance and for the establishment and showing of mercy in those situations where it is applicable. Damn, in those situations where it is applicable. A lot can be said about this, but we want to highlight and draw that attention because it helps us in purifying our intentions when seeking knowledge. Because the ulama, they mentioned that this hadith that was mentioned first to highlight knowledge and the issue of gathering and attaining knowledge so that it may be implemented. Why? That is because knowledge is mercy. Knowledge, when you apply it, is mercy. The ulama, they mentioned that the result of knowledge is mercy in this world. And that the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter. So this is important. So when we study, when we learn, this has to be on our mind, is that we're trying to, we're trying to attain the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're trying to be of those who Allah ta'ala bestows mercy upon them. You know, this is why we're learning. This is why we're seeking knowledge. This is why we're studying hard. This is why we're memorizing, right? Trying to implement, trying to do, because we're chasing after the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what we want. Naam. And thus, if we want that, then we have to show mercy. We have to be merciful unto others. Because those who are merciful, they will be shown mercy by the most merciful. So be merciful to those who are in the earth. And the one who is above the heavens, he will show you mercy and he will be merciful to you. We continue going over the tremendous book by the great Imam, Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah ta'ala. Those 40 hadith that are tremendous, that we really need to spend some time with every Muslim should spend some time with them and to and should familiarize themselves with these ahadith. So I encourage those who have yet to purchase the book or to find the translation now for those who are in need of the translation to this particular book to get it and to read through these ahadith, become familiarized with them, familiarize yourself with them. Those who have the ability to memorize them, inshallah ta'ala, to understand them in depth and in detail and to, to study them and to go over their explanations as best you can and to make this a, a, a weekly thing, if not a daily thing, naam, to add this to your daily regimen or to your weekly regimen at the very least, bithnilahi ta'ala, because these ahadith, they are very important and they outline um, principles by way in which we can live our lives by way of. So these ahadith, they are tremendously important because these are, the ahadith and these the, the principles that come therein are principles that we will use day in and day out. We'll use these in our day to day. So it's, it's very important. It's very important. It's very important. So we move on to the next hadith. 
And that is a hadith عن Ibn Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. It's on the authority of Ibn Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam قال that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said Inna Allah tajawaza li an ummati al-khata that verily Allah he has overlooked for me and has forgiven, overlooked for me the mistakes of my ummah the mistakes that my ummah they fall into this is forgiven, forgiven they are this is overlooked and they are forgiven for these mistakes the al khata wa nisyan and also they are forgiven for those things that arise due to forgetfulness naam those things that arise due to forgetfulness they're not held accountable for these things wa mastukrihu alayhi and that which they are forced to do that which they are forced and compelled to do against their will then they are not held accountable for said action or said statement. Naam. So, when we look at this hadith, this hadith is or should be a source of happiness for the believer. Because inside of this hadith, we see that we are not held accountable for things that are done out of purity, purely mistakenly. Naam. Nor are we held accountable for things that are done due to forgetfulness nor are we held accountable for things that we are forced and compelled to do against our will. This hadith is a hadith that is Hassan, Rawahu ibn Majah, Wal-Bayhaqi, Wa-Ghayruhuma. It is collected by Ibn Majah, Wal-Bayhaqi, Wa-Ghayruhuma, and other than them too. The Fadil al-Shaykh, before getting into the meat of the hadith for lack of a better term and or expression the fadil to shaykh the muhaddith muhaddith al-madina al-allama shaykh abdul muhsan al-abbal al-badr hafizahullah ta'ala he mentions he says ummatu nabiyyina muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ummatan he said, the ummah of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then it is two nations. Ummatan, two nations. Naam. Bithnillahi ta'ala, in this sitting, we want to look at this concept. We want to focus in on this concept only. The two nations of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. By default, we are all from one of them. And only by the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those who are guided from the other. The ummah, the first of them, is ummah da'wah. This is the nation who had the call given unto them. Naam. Those who the call it was directed to. Ummah da'wah. The second is Ummatu Ijaba is the nation that accepted the call. So the first nation is the nation who the call was given to them. Naam. So when it says Ummatan, two Ummas, the nation that the Ummah, the, the, yani the Ummah or the nation that the Da'wah it was given to. It was given to them. Naam. The second is the nation who accepted the Da'wah. 
the nation who accepted the da'wah. Now, that's why I said one of them, all of us by default, fall into it. The second is only those whom Allah Ta'ala, he has guided and put his mercy upon. Now, the shaykh, he mentions, he says, for Ummah da'wah, so the nation of da'wah, now, who are they? Kullu insanin wa jinniyin min hina bi'adhatihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ila qiyam al-sa'ah. Who are they? Then they constitute the nation of of of, of the core or Ummatu Dawa, the nation of the core, or in Arabic, Ummatu Dawa. These are and they constitute and they include every human being and every jinn. So every individual from mankind and from jinn kind, from the time of the sending of the Prophet وسلم, until the establishment of the hour. So everyone from mankind and from jinn kind, from the time that the Prophet وسلم, was sent until the establishment of the hour, then this is Ummatu Dawah. This is the nation who received the call. Wa Ummatu Ijaba. And the nation of those who had accepted and answered the call, ma'am, Ummatul Ijaba, humul ladina wafakahum allahu lidukhuli fil deen al hanif, ay, fil deen al islam. These are those whom Allah Ta'ala has given them the success to enter into the deen of true monotheism, meaning the deen of al islam. And those who they are from the Muslims. Naam. And they are from the Muslims. And what is intended and who are those who are meant by Ummah in this hadith, then they are Ummatul Ijaba. Then it means the nation, meaning those who have accepted the call, those who have accepted Islam, the Muslims. Naam. So this is important that when you see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when it comes in a narration that he speaks about his ummah and he says, my ummah, na'am, then what first has to be understood in order to understand that narration correctly is, which ummah is intended here? Does it mean the ummah who was given the call or does it mean the ummah who accepted the call. Now, so this particular hadith is speaking about the ummah who had accepted the call. So as it relates to those who were given the call in general, the non-Muslims, now, then these words are not applicable to them. But when it comes to those who have accepted Islam, those whom Allah Ta'ala has granted them success in entering into Islam and accepting the religion of true monotheism, then this hadith is applicable to them. Naam, it is applicable to them. So it is for the Muslims that their mistakes and things that they do are a pure mistake, things that they do due to forgetfulness, and things that they do because they are compelled. Then they are not held accountable for this. They are not held accountable for this. This by itself 
is a, should be a source of happiness. Naam is a, should be a source of happiness. Because who from amongst us, except that we do things that are not correct mistakenly, Naam, is there anyone from amongst us except that they do things that are wrong, that are sinful, but they do to a pure mistake. Naam, a pure mistake. Did not intend by any way, shape, and form to do that thing, but it then happens. Naam, at a pure mistake. Pure mistake. And we mean by mistake, we're not entering into that any type of negligence. No, negligence would not meet the standard of something that is a pure mistake. And, and, and I, I want you to, to really understand that. We're not speaking about something that is a result of negligence. And the person says, oh, my bad, that was an error. You know, that was a mistake. No, negligence, no. We're talking about that which was a pure mistake. Pure mistake. Now, not linked to negligence or anything of that, of that, of that sort. But inshallah ta'ala, well, I'll comment on this a little bit. More later, inshallah ta'ala. So whoever from the Muslims does something out of a pure mistake or does something out of forgetfulness, na'am, who from amongst us accept that we do things, we forget. Na'am, we, we, we forget. So whatever we forget about, pure slip of the mind, we're not held accountable for that. And likewise, those things that we are forced to do, not held accountable for that. There are, there are plenty of things that we are forced to do that if given the option, we wouldn't do it, but we are forced and compelled to do it. So these things are not held upon us, but rather the one who forced us to do it, then the sin is theirs, it's not ours. Naam, this is a ni'mah. It's a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ana. Ala kulli hal. Woman amthira to umati da'wa. And an example for further clarity for the, as as the ummah of the of who received the call naam so from the example of ummah da'wah from the ummah who received the call qawluhu sallallahu alayhi wasallam it is like that which comes in the statement of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam walladhi nafsu muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wasallam bi yadihi and from the hands that muhammad sallallahu from the hand and by the hand of the one who uh, the soul of muhammad is in his hand naam and by the one who Muhammad sold is in his hand. Naam. La yasma'u bi ahadun min hadihi al-ummah. That no one will hear about me from this nation. Naam. Min hadihi al-ummah. From this nation. But what is meant by this nation? Does it mean the Muslims? Here? No. Here doesn't mean the Muslims. Here it means the non-Muslims. And the Prophet ﷺ goes on to clearly explain that. And to make that known, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said that لا يسمع بأحد من هذه الأمة. No one will hear about me. Not a single individual will hear about me from this nation. Yahudiyun, wala nasraniyun, neither a Jew nor a Christian. ثم يموت ولم يؤمن بالذي أرسلت به. And then they die without believing in that which I had come with, been sent with. Except that they will be from the companions of the fire. Hadithun Sahih Rawahu Muslim. This hadith is authentic and has been collected by Imam Muslim. So we see from this that what? That 
any Jew or any Christian that hears about the Prophet وسلم, his da'wah, his call reaches them. The call to establish the worship to Allah and Allah Ta'ala alone and to believe in all of the Prophets and the Messengers. Naam, from the first of them to the last of them, from the first of them to the last of them, believing in them, not making any distinction or differentiation between them, meaning they don't believe in some of them while disbelieving in others from amongst them. No, but they believe in all of them. Naam, not a single Jew or Christian we hear about the call of the, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Not a single Jew or Christian will the da'wah of Muhammad Sallallahu reach them Except that if they do not believe And they die upon not believing And that which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he came with Except that they will be from the people of the fire Except that they're going to go to hell I want to stress this and I want to highlight this because this here is the reality. This here is the reality. Whether you accept it or you reject it, whether you yani, agree or disagree, it does. It really does not matter. Why? Because it doesn't change the reality. Now, as the saying goes, it is what it is. It does not change anything. Your opinions has, have no bearing on reality. Your opinions have no bearing upon reality. The reality of the of the fact is, is that there's not a single Jew or Christian that will hear about the call of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that his da'wah will reach them except that if they don't believe in it and they die not believing in that which the Prophet Sallallahu was sent with, they are going to go to the hellfire. They're going to go to hell. Whereas we know from authentic narrations that if they accept Islam, if a Jew or Christian accepts Islam, then they will have double reward. They will have a double reward. Naam? All of their previous sins will be forgiven. And they'll be rewarded because they believed in the prophets and the messengers prior to accepting Islam. And once they learned about the, the final prophet and messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they believed in him and that which was revealed unto him, then they will be rewarded for this as well. So they will get two rewards, double reward. Naam. So it's 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 in all of our best interest to what? To accept the truth when it comes to us. Naam. This is in all of our best interest that we have to accept the truth when it comes to us. And for anyone who was a Jew or was or was a Christian, then they have glad tidings that you will have two rewards. For anyone who is a Jew and who is a Christian, then we give you the glad tiding that if you accept Islam, you will have double reward. That if you accept Islam, you will have double reward. You'll be rewarded for believing in the prophets and that which they had come with. Now, those prophets and messengers prior to Muhammad Wasallam, And now after learning about the prophet Wasallam and learning about his call, learning about his da'wah, learning about that which he has come with, knowing that it is nothing more than a confirmation of the message that all of the previous prophets and the messengers they call to, that it is the same religion of all of the previous prophets and the messengers, and that is to submit themselves to Allah and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, to establish the tawheed, to submit themselves and be and, and are compliant to that which Allah Ta'ala He has made obligatory upon them, and to free themselves from all forms of polytheism and from the polytheists. This is the religion that all of the prophets and the messengers that they were upon. 
is that they worshiped Allah and they worshiped Allah alone. They did not associate partners with Allah in worship in any which way, shape, or form. They called the people to establish the Tawheed, to establish true monotheism, and to stay away from polytheism and all these ugly shapes and its forms, and to establish those commandments in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has made obligatory upon them, and to stay away from that which Allah ta'ala, He has made prohibited upon them. Naam, so murder is haram, magic is haram, Disrespecting one's parents is haram, stealing is haram, so on and so forth. Naam. So you find these, as they call common values, Naam. you find that this was the call of every prophet and the messenger, Naam. was to stay away from those things, that those sins that we all understand that they are bad. Naam. How do we understand that they are bad? Where is this from? This is from what? This is from the fitrah, and this is from that which Allah Ta'ala has revealed to all of his prophets and his messengers. Don't worship other than Allah. Don't associate partners with Allah. Don't take false deities. Don't murder. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't fornicate. Don't covet thy neighbor's wife. Naam. So on and so forth. These are things that what all of the prophets and the messengers that they, they called to. Because their deen was one. Their deen was one. They all had the exact same religion. And that was and is Islam, to submit oneself unto Allah Ta'ala by establishing Tawheed, to be compliant to the rules and regulations that Allah Ta'ala has sent down, and to disavow, disassociate oneself from polytheism and from the polytheist. That makes sense? <laughs> so, have the glad tidings. Oh, you who used to be a Jew or a Christian, that you have two rewards. Have the glad tiding, O oh, you who are currently a Jew and a Christian, that if you accept Islam, if you continue on your journey in the truth and accept Islam, then you will have double reward. You will have a double reward. And all of your previous sins, they will be forgiven. And you, by accepting Islam, then you will be illustrating that you are a true follower of Musa, that you are a true follower of Moses, you are a true follower of Harun, of Aaron, Alayhi salam, that you are a true follower of Isa, of Jesus, Alayhi salam, that you are a true follower of these prophets and these messengers who told you that when the next prophet comes, you have to follow him, who told you and who yani, um, gave the glad tidings that the Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, he will one day come to the earth and that those believers who are alive in that time. And afterwards, they had to follow him and to believe in him, uh, and and, uh, and 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 be from those who accept the message and the, and the laws and rules and regulations in which was sent down into him, and to be an aid and a support for him. Naam, they were all given or taught their followers this reality. That we follow the prophets and the messengers when the next one comes and we follow them. And if we truly believe in them, meaning if you truly believe in Musa, then you have to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you truly believe in Isa, then you have to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because he told you that when he comes, follow them. And for those who disbelieve in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, under the guise that they are sticking to Isa or sticking to Musa, they know by surety that by disbelieving in Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, then you have disbelieved in Isa, you have disbelieved in Jesus, 
alayhi salatu wasalam, by disbelieving in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then you have disbelieved in Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. You have disbelieved in them specifically because they told you of the coming of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he came and you turned your back and you denied and disbelieved in that in which they had told you. So you have disbelieved in all of the prophets and the messengers in reality. It also shows us the importance of what? Of calling our friends and family members to Islam, to call who we, who we meet to Islam. Because, of course, those who the da'wah, it does not reach them, then they will not have an opportunity to be tested here in this life, so their test will be in the, on the day of judgment. But for the one who hears about Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they hear about La ilaha illallah. They hear about the Quran. They hear about the Deen of Islam. Can we? Can do you really feel comfortable and secure that they would have an excuse to say they didn't know? And I, and I want you to reflect on this because you have some people that have the understanding. Well, if I don't tell them, then they're not held responsible. If I don't tell them, then they'll have plausible deniability. Correct? No. No. Not in this time that we live in. Not in this time that we live in where you can go online and see tours of the the Kaaba, where you can go online and see videos and clips of people making hajj, where you can see the Muslims praying, where the beliefs of the Muslims are well-known where that which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he has come with is widespread. Is widespread. To the point where you can say that is entered into every home. It's entered into every home. Where how many Mus how many people have Muslims in their families? How many people that you meet except that they have Muslims in their families? Or have heard about Islam. To the extent to the extent that, subhanAllah, there was a non-Muslim co-worker of mine who saw me walking with a copy of the Mus'haf, saw me walking with a Mus'haf inside of my hand, and just from looking at it, looking at it, more than an arm span away from me, just glancing at it, he asked me, he said, oh, is that a Qur'an? So, subhanAllah, he had some type of familiarity some type of familiarity with Islam prior to me speaking to him about Islam. But he has some kind of familiarity. If he was able to look at the copy of the Mus'haf and say, is that, a, is that a Quran? Yeah, subhanAllah. So with this being the case in the time that we live in, if you truly have love for your family members, if you truly have love for your kith and your kin, then you, then you should call them to Islam. Because for you to claim or you, for you to have a hope that they didn't hear about it, so thus they have a plausible deniability, is really a bad thing to place your uh <laughs> what they say you know it's 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 a bad option for you to think that they have plausible deniability now and what does that say about you because even if for argument's sake even if it can be said they didn't know, but you know, and you didn't tell them. I want you, I want you to think about that. Even if, for argument's sake, you say, well, I don't want to say nothing because then 
you know, so so it, they have the plausible liability that they didn't know. Okay. But you knew. And do you really think you're going to be, you're not going to be questioned about why you did not tell them? So, we have to learn in depth and in detail. La ilaha illallah, the meaning of it. Muhammad Rasulullah, the meaning of it, what it points to. We have to call our family members, our kith and our kin, our friends, our co-workers. We have to call them to this as best we possibly can. But we have to make sure that we are knowledgeable what we're calling to. So we stick to the basics. We have to master the basics that we call them to la ilaha illallah. We're able to explain to them about the articles of iman, belief in Allah, belief in the angels, belief in the messengers, belief in the books, belief in the day of judgment, belief in qadr khayri wa sharri, so that we could explain this to the people, that we call them to tawheed, to implement tawheed, that Allah Ta'ala is one, he's alone, he has no partners, he has no parents, he has no children, that we call them to believe in the messengers, the prophets and the messengers. Now, so those prophets and those messengers who we know by name, there shouldn't be a single Muslim except that they know those names. Now, those prophets and those messengers that we know by name, there shouldn't be a single Muslim except that we know those names and that we know a good portion about their biographies so we can share that with the people. We know what they were upon. We have memorized some of their statements. Yani, and it's easy for us. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has revealed to us in the Quran. He has revealed to us in the Quran. So some of their statements, they have reached us in an authentic form that we don't have to worry about. Is it not authentic? Is it authentic? We don't have to worry about that. Allah ta'ala told us what they said. Naam. Allah ta'ala told us what the prophets and the messengers who have come before what they have said so we can quote to the people and said that jesus the son of mary he said xyz ma'am that musa he said xyz moses peace and blessings upon him he said xyz that isa that jesus the son of mary peace and blessings be upon him that he said xyz ma'am we should become knowledgeable about the prophets and the messengers we should have an extreme love for them. Ma'am, you want to name your children, your male children, you name your male children with, with the prophets and the messengers because they are from the best of mankind. In any event, we have to give da'wah to our family members in this time and to the co-workers and to the, our friends and to our neighbors because we live in a time where knowledge and information, I should say, is widespread. So to live in this time and to say that you didn't know about the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu you never heard about the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu you never heard about Islam, you never heard about the Quran, you never heard about anything about a Muslim. It's a little far-fetched in these days and times. Unless you live in the middle of the Amazon rainforest somewhere in a village that has no electricity, that has no internet, that has no access to the outside world and so on and so forth, okay, there's some exceptions. But for the most part, the vast majority of the people living on earth today they're not going to be able to say, well, I didn't know anything about that. No, not at all. Wallahu a'la wa a'lam. And Allah ta'ala, of course, he knows best. But you know. Dear Muslim, dear listener, you know. 
So share with others. Share with others. Give them the opportunity. Because if not, if they hear about it and they don't accept it, the Prophet Sallallahu said that there's not a single Jew nor Christian that hears about me and then does and then dies without believing in what I was sent with, except that they will be from the people of the fire. And finally, this is also a warning to those who engage in interfaith dialogue to know the depths of the harm that you're doing. You're doing harm. Person that come and they say, why you say that? How would you say that? Interfaith dialogue, it, you know, it gives us an opportunity to share our beliefs with each other. Gives us an opportunity to share and so that each could become familiarized with the with the next. Okay. But is that the only objective? Is that the only aim and the only goal? To familiarize them with it? Or is the or is the aim to call them to it in hopes that they will accept it? Do you understand? Because in most settings, what is understood, what the agreement is, is to you be your way, to me be mine. Right? That's the typical understanding of interfaith dialogue. You're not trying to convert me, I'm not trying to convert you. We're just here to show that we can work together and we have a lot more in common than we have, you know, than, 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 than uh, the differences. Right? This is typically, this is typically the, the motivation for the likes of these things. So why is this harmful? You're just going to familiarize them with it, not trying to call them so that they accept it. And then now the proof is upon them, right? Because they would have heard about the prophecy. They would have heard about what they have come with. And you never invited them to accept it. And then they die and go to hell. So how is your interaction with them uh, for any good? Right? How is it for any good? And how how could it how could you really and honestly say that this is your objective? If this really was your objective, this shows a gross amount of ignorance on your part. But if 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 you have good in your heart and you want to see good for others, then you want to see people accept Islam. You want people to enter into the Deen. You want them to become Muslim. You want because you want people to go to heaven, right? You want people to go to heaven. You don't want people to go to hell. You want people to go to heaven. All right. So if in in in, in deep in your heart, right? If deep in your heart, you want Everybody to accept Islam and then go to heaven. So how with your mouth are you gonna come out and say, Well no, we just here, you know, to share with you what we what we're upon so you can get familiar with us, we get familiar with you. But listen, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to call anyone to enter into Islam. I'm not trying to you know, encourage anyone to accept Islam. Mm -mm. I just want to talk about what we mutually agree about and so You say that with your mouth, but then in deep down in your heart, you really want everybody to accept Islam. So then you're a liar. You're sitting there lying to them. You're deceiving them. And so that's good? No, not at all. So when we look at it from this standpoint, what's the point? What's the point of all of these interfaith Actions and and and, and, and uh, initiatives and, and what what's the point of them? You see, 
if anyone were to catch wind of what you really were up to, then at the very minimum, they will have no respect for you. No respect for you. Because you're trying to trick them, right? Whereas a person who was on the up and up with you, even if you don't agree with them at the end of the day, at least you have to respect them. At least, at least you told me what it was about. And you, didn't, you didn't try to mislead me at any step or stage. So as Muslims, you have to move in a respectful manner if you demand from others respect. But to try to deceive people, to try to trick them, you want to try to trick somebody into accepting Islam? Makes no sense. And if you really don't care about them accepting Islam and you just there, then what's the point? Spend your time in circles where it's clear we would like for everyone to enter into Islam. We would like for everyone to enter into Islam. And for those who are obstinate, those who hear what you're saying and totally disagree with you, then at this point we say, okay, to you be your way, to me be mine. You, your religion, me, my religion. Okay? But that's the end of the affair. That's the end of the stage. The opening and how we initiate with them is as the Prophet Sallallahu he initiated with them, with the non-Muslims. That was what? Islam, Teslam. Enter Islam, enter into Islam, become a Muslim so you can be safe. So you can be safe from the hellfire. So you can be safe from the anger of Allah. So you can be safe from Allah's punishment. So you can have safety. You can have peace. You can enter into heaven. And it's said to you, salam, peace. Upon you in here, you're going to be at full peace. No sickness, no tiredness, no worry, no stress. Nothing. Pure peace. Happiness, joy, entertainment, yani, to the end of it. Joy, bliss, happiness. For how long? Forever. This is what we want for human beings. This is what we want for mankind. This is what we want. We understand this is not going to be the case. You know, people are going to go to hell. We understand that. But we want for everyone to go to the heaven. Just like we know people, people are going to go to hell. But I don't want it to be me. Likewise, I don't want it to be anybody I know. I don't want it to be my neighbor. I don't want it to be my uncle. I don't want it to be my aunt. I don't want it to be my siblings, my brother, my father. No, I want everyone to go to heaven, especially the people I know, especially people in my family, especially people who I got natural love for. I want them to go to heaven. I want them to succeed. I want them to be successful. My neighbor, I want my neighbor to be successful. You understand? My coworker, I want them to be successful. I want everybody that I know to be successful, and I want people I don't know to be successful. But especially people I know, I want them to be successful. When you, have, when, you, when you really have a good heart, you want everyone to be upon that which is correct. And when, and, and when they're not upon that which is correct, they hurt you. Now, in the sense that you feel bad. You feel bad for them. Because you want everybody to be upon what is correct. At least this is how it should be. And if that's the way your heart really is, that's the way you really are, then why are you wasting your time with inner faith? Why are you wasting your time tricking people? Why are you wasting your time making people think that I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay, so there's no need to change? No. This is a waste of time. Especially if they're a Jew and Christian, they heard about the promise like some they don't believe. No, there's a great need to change. Because if not, the Prophet said, then they're going to be in the hellfire. 
and that's the reality. Like it who like it, hate it who hate it. Agree with it, whoever agree with it, does not change reality. And then the the Sheikh he goes on to get into, like we say, the meat of the hadith, right? Where he explains what is a khata, what is nisyan, what is ikrah, what is a mistake, what is forgiveness, and what is you know, to be compelled. But bithnilahi ta'ala, we'll save that until the next time. فَنَكْتَفِي بِهَذَا الْقَدَرُ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ وَجَزَاكُمُ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا